0: We greet you in the name of Christ. If, uh, if you're here for the first time or visiting, uh, I see some returnees here <laughs> who have been away for a while and, uh, and visiting here in Baltimore, just uh, welcome, welcome to faith. As we, as a congregation, prepare for this, this is probably the most important week in the, uh, of the of calendar for us who believe in Jesus Christ, uh, where we focus on, on his death and then his resurrection. This is what we call Holy Week, Palm Sunday, and then Good Friday, and then Easter morning, the resurrection of Jesus on that Sunday morning. L- last week at the Men's Retreat, as you've heard already, we, we, had, we focused on that cross, on, on the cross of Christ, and, and uh, Brother Dan Ellis, one of our deacons, he encouraged us in the Word of God. We didn't just play, by the way, the, 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 there was a lot of playing going on, there was some playing going on. We heard the Word of God as well from Brother Dan, who, who really challenged us uh, uh, to, uh, to be men who worship with our, our lives and even on, as we gather together. But we were encouraged to think about our particular sins and, um, and again, to nail them to the cross. It was a wonderful, it was a, I don't know, five, ten minutes of just hearing the sound of the nails was, was quite, it was a different experience to hear the sound of nails in the silence. Thinking about that Friday afternoon where there was a long time of hearing nails. Behold, the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there. Until it was accomplished, his dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Now that's the that's the beauty of the cross. We, we, this experience of the cross. Because of the cross, it's finished. It's finished. You know. Um, um Christian imagery, uh, art has always focused on the cross. It's the primary image and symbol of the Christian faith. You've probably seen crucifixes where Jesus is on the cross and crosses where Jesus is not on the cross. And there's a difference theologically about what's going on there. A big difference because it is finished. It is finished. He's no longer on the cross. He, the, the cross is empty. His work for us is a, his work of salvation is accomplished. As God intended it to do, and so uh, we don't don't leave Jesus on that cross. (laughs) They took him down, and they buried him, and on the third day, he rose again victoriously. Amen. So Holy Week begins on Palm Sunday with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now, we ended our sermon series on Micah last week, and we begin a sermon series from John 20 and 21 next week. So this week, I said, "What's Palm Sunday. And so reflecting upon uh, Palm Sunday, my mind focused not on the Lord who entered on the animal, but on the animal. I don't know. I don't know. I just did. <laughs> he entered the gates of Jerusalem triumphantly, not, not on a beautiful stallion, as most conquering kings would do. No, on a donkey. And, we, and don't let that pass us by. When presidents and kings, when they look for a vehicle, they look for a bulletproof limo, not an old pickup truck. But that's what Jesus does here. That's what he does here. So this message today is an outcome of just my reflection and my meditation on on Palm Sunday. I'm going to talk about animals, animals created by God. They're used for mankind for work and used for show and entertainment, and animals are used for experimentation. That's going to be controversial. Animals are used for food. Sorry, Peter. That's controversial for some. Of course, animals are used for pets. Many of us have pets. In fact, pets. We have pets in our family. Uh, pictures. Uh, 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 T- Terry, Terry loves cats. We have three cats right now. We, at one time we had five, we had three there they are the one on the bottom actually isn't ours that's Timothy, my son's cat, but it's our cat he you know we feed it, we house it you know, whatever <laughs> it's it's really ours <laughs> but I, my, my kids you know there's they're scattered and you know it, my kids uh, I'll think of the pets of our family um we, there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's a there's pet there's dogs there's cats there, there's a turtle there, there's a dragon, a little dragon, but most interestingly there's James and Kate have five rats. Some of you know that. Some of you have experienced them in, in, in the church. That's Kate and James. Next slide. Um, that, 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 yeah, I, I, I thought it was three. He told me last, yesterday there's, 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 there's five of them now. They're being fruitful and multiplying. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he got the idea of him because I hate rats. Anyway, animals created by God, like humans, Animals were created to give glory to God. And God created mankind to have dominion over the cosmos, including over the animals. Okay? Think back in Genesis chapter 1. God gave Adam the right to name the animals. Naming in the ancient world is his act of authority over. It still is when you think about it. He named the animals, and that was good that he did that. God gave him that permission. And and so in Genesis Genesis 1, in Genesis 2, Adam is exercising that God given a dominion by, by doing that. Now, that's a little brief theology of, of animals. Uh, <laughs> I want to pause now in, in three passages um, that, that are going to um, point to the cross, to, to what Jesus did for us. Uh, the, the, the three passages of Zechariah uh, 9, uh, John 1, and, and Leviticus 16, passage, verses from those passages. Let's, let's stand and pause and, and listen to God's word. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble in a mountain on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And then John 1:29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then Leviticus, a longer passage here. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a, a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for, for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the lord and use it as a sin offering but the goat on which the lot fell for azazel shall be pre- presented alive before the lord to make atonement over it that it may be sent away into the wilderness to azazel and when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting in the altar this is verse 20 he shall present the live goat and aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of israel in all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area. And he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. God's word. You may be seated. A donkey, a lamb, and a goat. The animals of holy week. Now, even in eternity past, God had a plan of salvation, of a rescue operation for human beings to address our universal human condition of sin. And his plan involved his son coming to the earth to be our sin bearer. So by simple faith in, in, in Jesus Christ, the son of God, our sins can be forgiven if we put our trust in him. And that's the simplicity of the gospel. And, and God has put reminders all over the universe for us of the gospel message and some of the reminders are even animals because animals play a part in the redemption story. We and we need reminders because we forget, don't we? We need reminders because we forget the gospel and the simplicity of what Christ has done for us. But God, here's my main point. God has provided reminders for us. Reminders that indeed our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us. I want to look at these three animals today and, 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 and sort of reflect on some things about each of the animals in the redemption story. The first is the donkey. It's got, this donkey is going to remind us of the person of the story, the one who forgave our, our, our sins, Zechariah chapter 9, 9. And, and then the lamb. It's going to remind us of the manner in which our forgiveness was accomplished. And then thirdly, the goat, reminding us of the freedom that forgiveness secured. First, the donkey, the donkey, Zechariah 9.9, reminding us of the person, the person who worked for our forgiveness. Of course, Zechariah 9.9 is quoted in the Gospels as, as the primary, one of the primary Old Testament prophecies uh, uh, during, uh, on Palm Sunday. The triumphal entry, we heard the story of the triumphal entry as, as um, Jesus uh, t- told the dis- two disciples to go and, and, and ask this man that he knew was going to be there <laughs> for his animal. And, and, and he said, "What do a you? get my animal up. He says, the Lord has need of it. The Lord needs your animal. Again, animals are to serve mankind, to serve the Lord. So, uh, and, and so this, this, this donkey was, was brought in. And as you, saw, you know in the Palm Sunday scene, as they go through the city of Jerusalem, and they, they waved palms and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, as they praised him, thinking that, that again, he's, he's the one. He's the one, he's the, the conquering king. Yeah, he's on a donkey, but we don't care about that. He's the conquering king. He's going to rule. He's going to reign. He's going to beat up on the Romans. And it's all going to be well for we, the Jewish people. But they didn't realize that, yes, he came to this city to conquer the city, but it was on a donkey, not on a stallion. In the Old Testament, it's interesting that if you look in your Old Testament, uh, you remember David was, 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 a, was a conqueror. He conquered much territory during his day. The son of, when David died, his son Solomon became the king. And in 1 Kings chapter 1, Solomon entered into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, on a mule. Look, look, listen to 1 Kings 1, uh, verses 38 to 40. It name's the priest and the prophet and, uh, and others. And they went, uh, they went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. There, Zadok the priest, took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. And then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. So so God, symbolically, rather than entering on, on a great, beautiful stallion, a powerful horse, Solomon, the son of David. And the word Solomon is almost is a derivative of the word shalom, which means peace, by the way. Solomon came on a, on a mule, bringing peace, a peaceful king. His reign was not uh, characterized by violence and, and conquering. He had other ways of <laughs> in getting expanding his territory. So, so, so the messianic meekness is the is picture here. The meekness of this Messiah. Messian- Isaiah chapter 9 gives... The four titles of Jesus, and we read those verses in Christmas. He's the Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. That's who Jesus is. And so the people expected a king who would reign, not one who would suffer. A theologian, N.T. Wright, has talked about this in one of his books. He says, at exactly the time when Jesus was growing up, there was a movement. Call it a political movement, a religious movement, or as Josephus calls it a philosophy that said that it was time for God alone to be king. That it was time for God to be king. You see, the reason Jesus wasn't the sort of king people wanted in his own day is that he was a true king. But they had become used to the ordinary, shabby, second-rate sort. They were looking for a builder to construct the home they thought they wanted. But he was the architect coming with a new plan that would give them everything they needed, but within quite a new framework. They were looking for a singer to sing the song they had been humming for a long time. But he was a composer, bringing them a new song to which the old songs they knew would form, at best, the background music. He was the king, all right, but he had come to redefine kingship itself around his own work, his own mission, his own fate. The people who were longing for God alone to be king... We're clinging to the hope that's, that was set out in the scripture, the hope that after all these years, Israel's God would return to be with his people, to rescue them, to restore them, to condemn their oppressors, to take charge, to do justice, to sort things out, to rule over them like a good king should. But, but unlike any actual human king they had known, they had ever known. Theologian N.T. Wright, great words there. See, Jesus is a king, but he's a king who comes cocking on a donkey, on a donkey. But we need to remember that in the, New t- in the end of the New Testament, this king comes conquering on a white horse, Revelation 19, uh, verse uh, 11. I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, okay? The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. In righteousness he, in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flame of fire, his head are made many diamonds. He has Nathan written on it that one knows, no one knows but himself. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood, the name by which he's called the Word of God, that Word of God that became flesh. Later in verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh, a name was written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, he came on Palm Sunday on a donkey, but the picture of Revelation, he returns not on a donkey. He returns in power and glory. The point of the donkey reminds us of the person. <laughs> He was the Prince of Peace, who was the meek one, who came to work salvation and forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. The Lamb, the Lamb. John 1, the, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, reminding us of the manner in which forgiveness was accomplished for us. This, is, this answers the how question, not the who question, the how question. The Lamb of God. In John's gospel, Jesus is the lamb. He's the Passover lamb. We talked last week about the Passover in Exodus chapter 12 and 13, how God, God, God passed over um, the, 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 the death for the firstborn, and how the, the lambs were the ones that were sacrificed. And we, t- we talked about that a bit last week. And, and during the spring season, when pilgrims were coming to Jerusalem for the Passover— that season, as they did each, each year, um, it, w- it was Passover week, one of the great feasts of the Jewish calendar. And it's just interesting in John chapter 18, a few verses there, um, that, that remind us that this was that this time, this week between Palm Sunday and, 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 and resurrection, was the Jewish Passover season. That was it was a Passover that happened during that week. Of John 18 verse 28. They led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's quarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so they would not be defiled, but would eat the Passover. They were going to eat the Passover the Passover meal, the Passover supper, which, of course, is now the Lord's Supper for us. God has transformed that. And then later in that chapter 18, when he's just talking with Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the governor, Pilate said, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. And it was Passover time. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. who was a robber. It was Passover season. Many believe that, that many of the, the, the people of Israel were actually, on that Friday, celebrating their Passover meal. After that, after the um, Dur- during the time when jesus was was on the cross and I, I mean not the meal but the, we're actually killing the lambs uh, in the in their um, worship there the priests were it's, it's interesting to think that that, that john transformed the, the, this jewish ritual of of of, of the passover lamb in in tra- well not john jesus and jesus becomes that that lamb that lamb of god paul in first corinthians 5 says this um talking about their boasting he says your boasting is not good you, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may need a new lump as you are, are unleavened? And then he says, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. See, Paul understands this, that, that Christ is the lamb. He's the Passover lamb, that all the lambs of all, each year that was celebrated in the, in the Jewish ritual were pointing to Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world See, Hebrews tells us, uh, quoting from the Old Testament, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no forgiveness of sin. So, so we talk about the manner, the how. How, 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 does this, how does forgiveness work? Because Jesus is our substitute. Jesus becomes. Jesus takes the wrath that we deserve as, our, as a lamb on, on the altar slain for us. And the third thing is the goat. The third animal is the goat. Here, let look at Leviticus. And I, I, th- this is the story of, of the, the interesting story about the, the scapegoat, which is a word that's in our common vocabulary. But, I believe, but it reminds us of the freedom that forgiveness secured. Let's, let's walk through this. Let's, the great Day of Atonement is what chapter 16 of Leviticus is about, the Jewish Day of Atonement. It's, it's called Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur. Uh, and uh, still, so they still have that this, to this day. But in, on Yom Kippur, the priests would go behind the Holy of Holies to, uh, to do the sacrifice, the yearly sacrifice, the great ceremony for the people. And yeah, they had, they had daily sacrifice, they had weekly sacrifice, but so this was this one great yearly ceremony. And chapter, the chapter 16 tells us that the priests would go, and there were three animals. It was a, a bull and, and two goats. The first bull was for himself and for his family. It's a goat there. For himself, for his family. The the second goat would be the goat that would be slain. He would lay hands on that goat, and the sins of the people would be announced, and and that goat goat would be slain. This goat represented the one who was to come to work that full redemption, Jesus Christ. Almost just like the lamb in the other uh, analogy. This is the slain goat. Then there was the other goat, the scapegoat. This goat was not slain. It had two goats. They were both equal. equal. And, and, but, but this one was, was, would be paraded. Parade, the hands would be laid on it. It would be paraded through the city uh, by a person I call the escort. That's kind of what the person was like. He, es, whose job was to escort the, uh, 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 the goat, followed by the crowds. and to, to the gates of the city, they would parade. And, and then the escort and the goat would continue beyond the city limits and off into the horizon as the people would watch. They would disappear far into the horizon. And then at some point, the escort would return by himself because the goat was gone. The goat was gone far away into the wilderness. It would not return. This is the scapegoat. It represents you and me. It represents the fact that we, because one goat died, the other goat gets to go free. That's us. That's us. See, we deserve to die. But Jesus died for us. So we, so we go free. And I love the way, even the, the, the words that are used there, because it says you go off into the wilderness. You know, goats don't thrive in cities. Ever thought about that? Goats thrive in wilderness, they, in, in, in in spaces where they can eat and have uh, things to eat and brush, and, um, and 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 there's some symbolism there, isn't there? We, we God sets He saves us to set us free to be where and who we want to where we want to be and who we want to be. This is the why of salvation. Why? Why? Why did God go through the trouble of of leaving heaven and taking a body? Because he loved us. He wanted to set us free, free to be ourselves, free to be what we were created to be. The scapegoat reminds us of the why. Galatians 5 says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm there, if one don't submit again to a yoke of Slavery. Christ has come to set us free, brothers and sisters. John 8, John, Jesus was talking to the religious leaders. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave of sin. The slave doesn't remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Jesus came to bring freedom to our hearts. Are we experiencing that freedom? Are we experiencing the freedom that salvation was meant to bring into our lives and into our hearts. The goat, the goat reminds us of this freedom, the freedom that forgiveness was to secure. So two, two of those animals deal with sin, don't they? The mule was just the person, but two of them deal with sin. What, what's, why do we focus on sin so much in the redemption story? Because the redemption is all about our sin problem. That's why. Sin is the big barrier of humanity. It is what destroys our peace. It's what destroys our relationships with each other. It is what keeps us from heaven. Sin, the big problem. Isaiah chapter 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Truth is lacking, Isaiah says, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. So so there's a sin problem, and it seems like no one can solve it. And then, again, Isaiah 59, verse 17. uh, Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on a righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Do you, do you, do you know what's going on there? There was no one who could solve the problem. So God himself puts on the, 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 the armor <laughs> and comes down to earth to solve the problem. The spiritual armor is what's in mind there. Ephesians chapter 6. So, so, so no one could, could solve our problem except God. And so God becomes the God-man who comes to this earth. The Word became flesh for us. So Jesus, the Son of God, solves our sin problem. Nobody else can even claim to do that. No one dares claim to do that. He is uniquely the sin-bearing Son of God slain for sinners. I'm not, uh, not an expert in, in rap music, but I know a little bit about rappers. And I, I remember uh, the rapper L.L. Cool. J. L. L. K. J. had a, had a, had a um um in about two thousand um, an album called the Greatest of All Time, and you know you know there was this war with rappers right the East Coast rappers and the West Coast rappers he's part of the East Coast rapper and I guess he's trying to say y'all think y'all something on the West Coast we're I- I'm the greatest is what he was trying to do well I don't know I don't I, again rap's not my music my style so I you know I don't have I don't have Uh, uh, a preference for which it is. But I know this. LLQJ is not the greatest of all time. (laughs) Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What's Paul saying? Is, 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 are the East Coast rappers like El Kujay, are they the greatest of all time, the goat? No. Are the West Coast rappers the goat? No. Jesus Christ is the greatest of all time. And, 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 if, and if you don't understand that, you're not, you don't really understand who Jesus is yet. He's the firstborn from the dead. He rose never to die again. His name is great. His greatness is because he died as our substitute and rose victoriously. So he and only he has the great name. The cross is the ultimate image of our faith. We've given you three images, three pictures of our faith, right? The cross is the ultimate image, uh, a picture of of, of the Christian faith. And last week we shared uh, from Micah 7 a couple other word pictures Pardon. We talked about a Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> it gets pardoned every year by the presidents. We talked about treading underfoot. In Micah chapter 7. We talked about sins going into the depths of the sea. Like the Egyptians dropping like a stone into the Red Sea. No, But the ultimate image, the ultimate image of the Christian faith is the cross. It's the cross. It reminds us of the trials of Christ. The accusations. The bloody beatings of Christ. The, the mocking. The... The, the placard that, that declares sarcastically that the, that the bloody, bruised, executed man claimed to be the king of the Jews. This is the climax of history. And for those who understand it, we know it's the very climax of our very lives. And, and each day, we should, never, we should never spend a day without even thinking about the cross of Christ. When, when, I, when I think about my own sins, my own weaknesses, my own hang ups, uh, um, I think, apart from the cross, what would I do? Apart from the cross of Christ, what do we do about the fact that we, that we don't have it together? Have you come to understand that about your own sin? I remember years ago when I realized that sin was not just breaking commands of God through rebellious behavior. The sin involves thinking things that I shouldn't be thinking. They're N- not doing things that I shouldn't be doing and. And, and, and things that I should be doing, not doing those things. That, that sin was not just overt things that I, that I was doing. It was deeper than that, much deeper than that. That God knows my heart even more than I know my own heart. Th- that, that kind of uh, understanding can blow you away apart from understanding the cross. <laughs> that the one who knows you, loves you, and has died for you on that cross. Otherwise, you're going to wallow in depression because, because you're not who you want to be. You begin to hate yourself. No. When you, when, you get, when you begin to go that way and begin to hear your voice telling you you're no good, and you, you need to think of the nails. Think of the sound of the nails. And, and when, it, when it comes to, to your sins, the, the, a simple slogan, name it and nail it. Name it. Say, look, this is sin. And then nail it to the cross. Nail it to the cross. Say, Lord, you died for the sin. Many have problems sleeping. One, one way you can go to sleep well, many many have problems sleeping because of guilt, and because of things they've done, and they can't. They, 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 they have insomnia because they're worrying and worrying and anxious. You know, and all of us have. You know, one of the things I do each night is 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 before I go uh, when I fall in, in sleep is is uh, think about my day, I reflect upon my day. What have I done? What did do I do today that? that would be for the kingdom, that would accomplish things, that would bless people. And then what do I do today that I, that, that I need to repent of? That's a, it's healthy to do that. It helps you sleep better. It says The psalmist says he gives to his beloved sleep. Next time you have problems sleeping because you're anxious about something, name it and nail it. Nail it to the cross. My sin, not in part but the whole, was laid to the cross, so I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. It is well with my soul. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. The ancient world, Roman world, they executed a criminal on a cross. They would nail a sign that depicted uh, uh, the, the, to the, communi- the passersby by um, the crimes of the one who was on that cross, this condemned man. When Jesus died, there was a sarcastic sign. It was in three languages, remember? Latin, Hebrew, and Greek. Jesus, King of the Jews. Jesus, King of the Jews. Amazing love. How can it be you, a king, should die for me? Jesus is a king. A king on a donkey. He's a prince of peace. Jesus is a king. A king who became a lamb. Slain for us, atoning for our sins. And Jesus is a king. A king who is... Always will be the goat who sets us free, free to be ourselves. Let's worship him. Let's give our lives in service to him. Most of all, let's love him and let him know that we appreciate what he's done for us. This week, this holy week, spend some time thinking about not just you and your sins. That's important to think about that. But beyond that, think of Jesus <laughs> and what he's done for our sins. Let's, let's pray. Lord, you've put around us reminders of the gospel all over the place. And help us to be those who are alert by your Holy Spirit to see the, the reminders that are there. I pray for anyone here today, Lord, who, who doesn't understand the gospel yet. Lord, I pray that they would, it would become crystal clear to them that the Christian faith isn't what we do. It's what you have done for us on the cross. And that by grace we are saved through faith, not of works. But I pray we who know you would, would love you and serve you. and Build this kingdom of God that, that, that you are inaugurating. We'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing, let's sing the, 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 I guess, the first verse in the chorus of uh, that song. Amazing love, how can it be? You, my king, should die.